0: On this week's episode, Call of Duty goes back to Modern Warfare. Will there be another year for Tokyo Vice? And who are the winners and losers of the NFL Draft? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: Welcome. To the Pop
0: Culture Cosmos, and we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows, and if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Humanic Media, PopCultureCosmos.com, and also Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we are the number one, numero uno, tabletop RPG streamer right there for you. Plus, we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture. Each and every day, right there on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you can support all of that that we do at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own modern warfare for Humanic Media. You gotta go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Humanic Media, also as well, popculturecosmos.com. His great shows. Topic: and the Super BS Gamescast, plus his amazing book, which is available right now at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Entitled "Congratulations, You Suck," it is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man?
2: What is up? I know we got a full plate today. I just want to run through a couple interesting things that happened in the gaming world right now. You got it private equity firms looking to buy ubisoft it's not sony or microsoft looking to buy them it's a private firm well the,
0: all, their intent would be just to sell it over to a sony or microsoft oh, or absolutely, whoever at absolutely
2: some point i know there's a company that did the mobile games before that was looking at buying out shares of their stock in order to do i guess what's called a hostile takeover of the company yeah. Also, you know, we always talked about the PlayStation being number one. It looks like Xbox is actually the quarter one's best selling platform in absolutely,
0: made. yeah, and dollars made indeed, yeah. It had the best March for them in eleven years for March twenty eleven. I think was the last time I, during the Xbox three sixty era. Also, the first month, uh, the first March for the Xbox One. They had not made that kind of money since, and now you're seeing that because the availability of the Xbox Series S and also in limited quantities, the Xbox Series X over the PlayStation 5, you're seeing people that are really trying to snap it up. So, yes, they Mm -hmm. made more dollars than anyone. Nintendo Switch still sold more units, but the dollar amounts, you know what? The revenue, the end of the day.
2: Microsoft's favor, yeah.
0: Yeah, yep. So it just shows you that Microsoft is still in this race, and I think that in the long run could be the best component out there because of the fact that the Xbox Games Pass is still the best thing going in gaming today.
2: Yeah, and last thing here, everyone's kind of breathing a sigh of relief right now, it seems, because Microsoft announced a summer gaming showcase with Bethesda we've talked about this before you have this like long span of time until starfield comes out where there's like zero games scheduled you know they're gonna come out
0: it's in lieu of e3 which i'm still very disappointed it's not being available this year but you know microsoft nintendo sony and most of the major publishers and distributors out there are going to have some kind of news conference around the middle of this year to go ahead Mm -hmm. and showcase whatever they need to showcase so I'm expecting all of them to go ahead and do something of that nature at some point
2: in time. Yeah, and there's got to be, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of announcements of stuff coming out before years in. That's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, One last
0: thing, though. You got a chance to check out the, the Secrets of Dumbledore, okay? You told me you would let us know about how good or bad it was, so let me know.
2: I liked it. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't an amazing movie by any stretch of the imagination. The narrative is all over the place, but as far as, like, quality of film goes, like, I thought it was a pretty good movie, you know? And, like, they wrapped up a lot of things that had been happening, and they kind of made a lot of references to Harry Potter. So everything that, like, makes that world feel so rich, you know, they did a good job of making that world still feel like there was so much left to explore in it, and... It was so much better than Crimes of Grindelwald. I honestly, and we've talked about this before, I just think that people aren't being objective because I was expecting this to be like a really horrible movie just based on what I've read about it. And I ended up being pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, it's got a really long runtime, but I think it's probably the best of the three that I've seen so far. Give it a shot, you know? Just don't listen to everything else out there. Go out and make your own opinion about it because I thought it was going to be awful and i ended up being pleasantly surprised by it
0: there you have it if you have thoughts on the secrets of dumbledore please go ahead and let us know if you're interested in this fantastic beast if you've had good things to say about it or if you didn't like it please let us know pop cosmos at yahoo.com wanted to go ahead and mention for today's show we got a lot of things on tap where we're going to be talking about Halo Episode 6, and is it time to get back into Halo, or why would you get back into Halo after Episode 6? So we'll talk about that. Tokyo Vice, Episode 8, Ended its Season. Did It End its Series? We'll see what happens there. We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. Moon Knight, Episode 5 as well. Got a chance to go ahead and check that out, so we'll talk about that. Our Doctor Strange preview and predictions, those predictions for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, that comes up on the back end of the show. Don Fobbs is back for her May TV update, that's going to be coming up here in a bit, plus also as well, the winners and losers of the NFL Draft that just took place the past few days here in Las Vegas. Chris Ardieri and Dom Lardieri of the Domination Sports Nation is here on the back end of the show talking about the NFL Draft. But first, my friend, it is Justin Lin and John Watts, two outstanding and very successful directors. Justin Lin, who is all over the place as far as producing from horror movies to the Fast and Furious and directing a good portion of that as well. He's been director for several Fast and Furious movies. He is out, he has left over creative differences. John Watts, who is still raking in the cash from Spider Man no way home he's out over creative differences on fantastic four so your thoughts on these two major directors leaving these two very vaunted projects
2: i can't even imagine how much of a nightmare it must be to direct a fast and the furious movie you know we've seen this happen before there's just so much turmoil like it's ironic that the whole franchise is about family but you hear about all this like drama and turmoil and just chaos behind the scenes. I'm surprised he still was even signed on to do this because he's just he's done the same movies and he's done them over and over again, but you know there's two possibilities here. One you have I un- could tell
0: you why. It's the- called casheroo. Right,
2: right. But I mean he seems like he's got enough to kind of get him through forever. But it's either the studio that's being like, "Hey, you know, we want to make this bigger and better and farther than it's ever gone before." And he's like I don't know if, you know, as a director, if I can make that make sense. Or you have this issue where it seems like Vin Diesel is one of the biggest producers on this franchise. And he just seems to be very controlling when it comes to what happens in these movies. And I wonder if there is some headbutting between Justin Lin and Vin Diesel, just like there was with The Rock and Vin Diesel.
0: It sounds like there could be that possibility. And with John Watts, what are your thoughts there, my friend?
2: That one's a little more difficult because John Watts, he does great things with movies involving teenagers, and I don't know where that movie's going to go or how it's going to start. That franchise, ever since the Josh Trank one came out, has been cursed. You know, nobody's wanted to touch it. John Watts has a very particular style of filmmaking, and I'm wondering if he read the script and maybe his style of filmmaking just didn't mesh with what Marvel was looking for.
0: Uh, looks like that to be the case, but hopefully they'll get in a director like we're going to see this week at Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, where a new director comes in. Maybe it will make it just as entertaining. Maybe we'll make it better. We'll see. You never know. Uh, there could be a, a lot of things that goes on now, but there, I believe it will probably not slow the production down. I think that it will still come out when it's intended to. I know that Kevin Feige recently announced at CinemaCon he is mapping out the next 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the present time. So I believe they have a point in line where Fantastic Four comes along the way. I don't think they'll slow it down. Worst comes to worst, they'll do what they did last week that they announced with Ant-Man 3 and the Marvels where they swapped their release dates. They just said, okay, Ant-Man 3, you're moving up. marvels you're moving back for whatever issues creatively or production wise so i have a feeling that fantastic four will stay on track in some form or fashion
2: you know it's weird because i think fantastic four has the ability to be a great movie and a great separate franchise here but the story's been told so many times much like the spider-man origin story's been told so many times that it's really going to have to have the right story coming out the gate in this reboot in order to be something that's wildly successful. I'm also curious though as we're, you know, Marvel used to be a company that was really great at bringing in these artistic directors. You know, we had Kenneth Branagh, we had Scott Derrickson, and now we have Sam Raimi. You know, you have all these directors who are good in certain fields and bringing certain spins to certain properties, but I wonder if as the MCU goes on and gets bigger and we're expanding and there's more like tightness because it has to stick to a certain continuity, I'm curious if we're going to have more issues with creative differences involving directors.
0: I think it's just the same thing that goes along with the star Wars universe where we've seen several directors leave the projects of several star Wars movies. It's just that there's a certain adherence that you have to maintain with the lore or that is expected to maintain with the lore by the studio itself that they expect. And as a creative individual, it's hard for these directors to go ahead sometimes and, stay within those barriers and stay within those lines and unfortunately that's what we're seeing with the departure of john watts as with justin lynn maybe it's just the fact he's just been there so long directing so many different films that at some point in time there's a parting of the ways as far as the vision for the final two supposedly and i'm quoting on that putting that in quotations the final two fast and furious films so we'll see what happens at least the ones with the current roster of familiar faces that we see right now so i think you're right i think vin diesel has a lot to say in, in what happened and what went on in regards to the departure that's just speculation on our part but i have a feeling that might be the case
2: he seems like a nice guy but as far as like his visions go like he seems like he's very Focused on what he wants as opposed to what everybody else thinks might be good. you yeah, know, what's the word for that? Like you're.
0: Well, he's very focused. He has a certain vision that he sees the Fast and Furious, maybe a certain formula that only he sees. And sometimes it's hard to get everybody else to go along with it.
2: Yeah. I guess like when it comes to vision, there's like a kind of a selfishness there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. In the nicest way possible.
0: What are your thoughts out there on Justin Lin and John Watts leaving F10? a.k.a. the Fast and Furious 10 movie, also as well, Fantastic Four. What are your thoughts on who might replace these directors in the big chairs for these upcoming blockbusters? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, and Don Fobbs with our May TV update, wanted to go ahead and let you know that Infinity Ward and Activision, or you could say Microsoft Activision, has announced that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is on the way. It's this year's installment of the Call of Duty franchise. I know that there's already been a Modern Warfare 2. Yes, we get that. But in the revamped, renewed version, a new Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out just, what, I think in 2019, That this is going to be the sequel to that and not be like a retouched version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I believe that that's the case. So your thoughts on this new remastering or re-envisioning of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 or whatever it is they're going to do. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to be continuing the new updated adventure for Call of Duty Modern Warfare.
2: Yeah, because it's weird. Because I already, I thought that we already had like a Modern Warfare three or two or whatever. I thought that that well, was... we
0: did, but the previous versions, I think, Call of Duty Modern Warfare one, two, and three in twenty nineteen, they went to a Call of Duty Modern Warfare going back into it that
2: world. It's it was really like a to... reboot, I guess, yeah, or I don't know, it's just, a retitling. It's... I don't know, man. I, I just you know my feelings on the Call of Duty franchise. Yeah. I, what was interesting to me was that. It sounds like they're trying to merge a few of these rogue properties that they have. Not properties, but rogue storylines. Because you saw, I don't know if you saw with the uh, Modern Warfare, they're advertising it using characters from Call of Duty Ghosts. So I'm wondering if they're trying to build lore, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like they're trying to build lore by incorporating characters from games that didn't sell as well and kind of creating this connected Call of Duty universe. In which case, I'm all for that because i think that call of duty is not my game you know but i mean if they were to create a connected story like a narrative that'd be interesting to someone who only likes single-player games and that might be something i could like see myself playing at some point it's so funny
0: because the best way to describe it to people out there that this is the 10th variation of a modern warfare game for call of duty but as pc gamer says officially it's the fifth call of duty modern warfare modern warfare 2 but not to be confused with modern warfare 2
2: i know that's what i thought because i remember back when we first started this thing or even back when we were still doing game source like i remember spending a lot of time extensively talking about call of duty modern warfare 2 and i didn't know this was weird to me
0: yeah very weird but i guess it's a new re-envisioning of the series that extends itself from the 2019 version so I think it's just banking on the Modern Warfare name because it's been the most successful name in the Call of Duty world. So we'll see what happens there. But are you interested for this version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 as opposed to the previous version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, coming up after the break, it is Don Fobbs from the Mother Daughter-ish podcast. She's stopping by for our May TV update. And also as well, right after that, it's going to be Chris and Dom Lardieri from the Domination Sports Nation talking about the winners and losers of the NFL Draft. And on the back end, it's Josh and I talking about Halo, talking about Moon Knight, and talking about Tokyo Vice. And we're going to talk about Doctor Strange as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA... Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glass. We're coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. It's that time of the month. When we talk TV, and who better to talk TV than a great person indeed, you got to go ahead and check out what her and her fantastic daughter are doing each and every time out at the Mother Daughter-ish podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It is Don Fobbs. Don, as always, it's great to have you back.
3: Thank I know you. you're working
0: hard for your show yeah. each and every time out. You just told me off camera about all those grandiose plans that you have. Yeah. Going ahead and making sure that everybody knows about the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. But right. great to have you aboard once again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, always a pleasure indeed. And you and I get to talk TV, TV, TV. I got my remote control ready. So That's right. We can go ahead and talk TV, 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 but we're going to talk and focus on. Couple different things per se. One is a success story going on for a broadcast network, which yeah. I know a lot of people are saying, what well, broadcast TV still has hits? Yes, broadcast TV still can have hits. And we'll talk about that coming up. The big success for ABC here in a minute. But okay. I want to go ahead and talk right now about the shows that are leaving us this year because there's a list of important shows that either are leaving by choice. Yep. Or in the case of a couple. Are not leaving by choice. (laughs) We'll talk about the ones that just got canceled here in the news Mm -hmm. in the past 48 hours. Yeah. First off, with the changes that are taking place with Netflix after they reported a huge loss. And not only in money, but in subscribers. So they're axing animation departments. They're axing other departments as well. One of the things that they axed is the Steve Carell comedy Space Force.
3: If you're a Steve Carell fan, you really like the show. If not so much. I don't think it warranted the big paycheck. And I think Netflix is trying to move some things around. If Netflix does not play their cards right and they don't value their customers more and try to be within a fair rate, I think they're going to end up like Blockbuster. Well,
0: they're trying also as well the original shows that they have. There are two that are actually coming to an end in Ozark and Grace and Frankie on the network. That's going to be ending here very soon. I'm so
3: sad because I really like Grace and Frankie. As a matter of fact, my daughter and I just did a podcast because we had a series going on this month
0: better call Saul in its final season
3: yep I saw that
0: yep so that's going on right now with Bob Odenkirk just trying to go ahead through the motions obviously he had the heart attack last year during the filming of the final season so Mm -hmm. he's already signed on with AMC for a new series that's coming up in the not too distant future so obviously things are going well for him there so I'm thankful that he's up and around to go ahead and do that but yes better call Saul it's not ending the Breaking Bad saga because there's now rumors that Giancarlo Esposito is going to get his own prequel, per se, because okay. we all fans of the series of Breaking Bad know what happened to his character. But AMC's trying to stretch out the Breaking Bad saga or ties or family tree even more, just like AMC is trying to do with The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is supposedly in its final season. That's what it said. That's what it says. But unfortunately, we all know with the many spinoffs that they've already tried, of course, they've got two on the way. The big news this week with The Walking Dead is not that it's on the way out. It's the fact that one of those spinoffs, Carol and Daryl, is now just Daryl as Melissa McBride has announced that she is not going to be part of the show.
3: Yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, I can't believe it because it's such a, a cult favorite. I mean, so many people love that show. The last
0: couple things I want to mention is our good friends to the CW
3: and they are rearranging again,
0: some things that are going on there with Batwoman and legends of tomorrow. You saw that. legends of tomorrow in the seventh season and Batwoman is ending after three seasons. Three. Both of those series are gone. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? As far as what the CW can do, because these DC shows, these other shows, they don't make a huge impact on CW. And I always tease when it comes to CW and it's mm-hmm. ratings are like, what does this network need to do to stay alive now that they've merged the Warner Brothers, Discovery, that whole thing is is now the focus of their future.
3: I think they need to do the same thing they did with Supergirl and the same thing they did with The Flash and the same thing they did with Rain. They put them on other streaming sites and it brought up a whole new community of people. I would have never seen Flash. It didn't end up on one of the streaming networks because I wasn't watching it on regular TV. I would have never seen some of the other shows. So I think that when they partner in and they give you that mix of broadcast and digital, I think you bring in, breathe in a whole new life to it. Cause like Good Girls, that's on NBC, it plays over on there. And then a few months later you get it over on a streaming site. Other than that, I can't think of anything else that they would be able to do to bring in a new audience because it's too late now to start advertising and saying, hey, we're on because you had all these other times because you had three years and then on the other one, you had seven years. So whatever you didn't do in that seven years, maybe you make a change now and see if it can breathe new life into it.
0: Absolutely. Indeed. You have such great insight as always. Again, it's Don Fobbs.
3: We can't forget about The Neighborhood is getting canceled. And they, we can't I mean, forget that Ellen taped her last show last week. And we, can, and we just got noticed that James Corden is leaving his whole show. He's not even going to be a late, late show. But they said the reason why he said he's going to leave is because he gets 27 million people on YouTube. And so he's going to move back to his country in London. And he's going to do his thing from home. He wants to leave America.
0: As long as he doesn't appear in any more bad musicals. How about that?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, James Corden, is a, he's a beast in his own. He's got his own thing going on. And, you know, probably in the after the summer, we'll talk about all the new talk shows that are supposed to be coming mm-hmm. for the fall that's going to be coming up. But when I was looking at all the shows that are canceled or potentially going to be canceled or coming to an end for this season, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait until they put the list out of all the shows that are going to be popping up in the summer
0: it is so much a safer bet for these networks to go ahead and say, okay, we're going to have spinoff shows that are relating to this familiar product that you're familiar Mm -hmm. with, with Mm -hmm. that name value, that name Mm -hmm. attachment. Mm
3: -hmm. Like I
0: said, there's two spinoff shows that are relating to the original walking dead. So you'll be able to go ahead and you're you're familiar with the environment already, as opposed to doing something brand new. That's why we're going to close out our conversation with a huge success story in Abbott elementary. And I want to tell people why, Abbott Elementary is doing so great. Not only is it one of the most critically hailed sitcoms on broadcast television in the past 20 years, it is something that is putting its money where its audience is in the fact that it is garnering huge ratings and not just in the original same day slot that it gets aired on. We're Mm -hmm. talking as much as 200% in the days following the original airing, as far Mm -hmm. as people catching it on streaming, On Hulu, catching it on ABC DVR, they're catching it at later times in huge, huge numbers, which tells me that people are going out of the way to watch the show. Yeah, it's been a huge success story. Tell me exactly why it's connecting on such a great way with audiences.
3: I was watching Cheryl Lee Ralph's Instagram page the other day and just seeing how she shows a lot of behind the scenes and how she holds the show in such high regard. And in the last months that she's been on that show that's all her instagram has been about is how wonderful the crew and the cast is how wonderful the producers are what a great environment it is how much fun they have on there and how serious they're taking the job and so then i went to some of the other cast instagram pages and i think it's the team that they put together i think it's the funny that it brings i think it's the producer everybody seems to respect this producer and i'm like they got a good team they got what i call that secret sauce where they're all working in tandem to make sure that you're watching it, to make sure that it's appointment watching TV and that it's an afterthought as well. Like you said, if they got a 200% increase. So I really think they just put something together that, hit home. The other thing I feel that worked for them is because the kids were out of school for nearly 2 years because of the pandemic, now that they're getting back into the school, I think people are just interested to kind of see that dynamics of what's going on in there and the funny that happens and the whatever happens behind the scenes in there. I think they got a secret sauce of, you know, the way they put it together, the the people that are in it, the channel that it's on. And the audience that it's capturing, all those different age groups that it says it's capturing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's getting its success. What about you?
0: I think it's just something that resonates well with audiences. They find it extremely entertaining. And for people that are searching for things out there on a broadcast network, which, again, as we talked about, the viewing audience is so fractured with so many streaming outlets. There's still cable Mm -hmm. that's around. And, of course, we see everything with broadcast networks that this seems to be resonating. It hit the right spot in the right time slot and everything has worked out well. Everything fell in place for this and for a network like Mm -hmm. ABC that needed something Mm -hmm. that they can go ahead and wrap themselves around as far as a foundational piece going forward. I'm so happy for them because again, ABC of, all the networks under the Disney chain—they seem to be one of the ones that was struggling the most, and it, it's their one of their biggest properties is ABC. So, right, right. We're so glad to see that happening for
3: them. Me too, me too.
0: I'll tell you what, Don—you've been fantastic as always, each and every time out. And again, before we head on out, you got to go ahead and let everybody know why they need to check out the Mother Daughter Ish podcast.
3: Check out our podcast so that you can listen to all of the different topics we have on Sundays and Wednesday. We have our conversation piece. On Fridays, we do a showcase and we showcase what's happening in women's businesses. And on Saturdays, we do an out and about in whatever town or whatever state or whatever city we're in. We'll show you what's going on there. For the month of April, we just closed out our season where we were talking about women's warnings and we took them straight from the headlines. We did Good Girls, we did Grace and Frankie, we talked about their friendship and why it's important. So we just talked about all. All of those things that you know we pulled from the shows and that's what we're doing on the mother daughter ish podcast and before we go i want to say if you get a chance to go on netflix and watch anatomy of a scandal check it out it's okay. something it is really something and you know if you've ever had an issue in a relationship that caused a riff and you had to play back here's what happened and here's how we got here anatomy of a scandal is the one let me tell you i got in it and couldn't get out
0: <laughs> well there you go indeed once again it's the mother daughter ish podcast please go ahead and be a part of the great things that goes on with the mother daughter ish podcast wherever you get your podcasts, yes. don you've been incredible as always Thank this time you. next month we should be seeing a lot of series season yes. endings episodes that are coming yep. up i know that for, in may and early june a lot of shows come to a conclusion for the season so we'll be talking about that looking forward to it but any last thoughts before we head on out
3: I'm also excited to talk about the new shows that are going to be running for the summer until the fall starts because, you know, during the summer we get a lot of shows that come back but then we get a lot of new quick series, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen with that on broadcast on streaming and on some of the cable stations, so that's going to be exciting as well, and I I bet you by the time the next couple of weeks come, we're going to have a bigger view of which ones are going to be canceled as well because, like right now, they're already thinking about I'm sure, you know, what's going to actually come back in the fall. We're going to be heading toward 2023 here, so when I was looking up even what's happening for 2023 it was kind of hush so i was like i gotta keep checking
0: (laughs) Uh, i definitely am glad that you are once again as don fobbs please check out her awesome daughter and her each and every time out at the mother daughter ish podcast indeed thank you don it's always great to have you here looking forward to all the great things that you provide for us right here at the pop culture cosmos But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two,
3: exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada.
0: Right, and we're back with Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Lakers fast-breaking game source. We truly appreciate you watching all of our shows. I'll tell you what, a lot of great things going on out in the NFL this past weekend because it is the NFL Draft in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. No place like it. And there's never been an NFL Draft like this, I can assure you. The Link and the Waters of the Bellagio were the host of this year's NFL Draft. What I think, in my own opinion, and yes, I am a little bit biased because I am living and have been living for quite some time in Las Vegas, that I think this was the best NFL Draft presentation ever. And here today to talk about the winners and losers of this year's NFL Draft are two great guests indeed. They're my co-hosts. On the Inside Sports Fantasy Football show, each and every year we go at it, we talk the best in fantasy football and so much more. It is Chris and Dom Lardieri from the Domination Sports Nation, guys. Great to have you here, Chris. I'll start with you first. You should be singing and dancing out there where you're at, my friend, because the New York football teams seem to make out very well this year, not quite the best. But there might be just some hope out there for the Giants and the Jets this year.
4: Yeah, there really is. The first time in a while I'll wear a, a Giants hat on this podcast. I know. But...
0: You never did it on our show previously. <laughs> no.
4: No. The Dave Gettleman regime is officially over. I think Joe Shane came in, did a great job. Don't get me wrong, there's some questionable picks. Picking a 5'8 wide receiver out of Kentucky in the second round when you've already got Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard's head scratcher, but I think he nailed the first round with Thibodeau and Neal, and I I think the Giants really wanted both of those guys, and thanks to some fortune and draft picks ahead of them, they landed him. They addressed areas of need, and then something that happened away from las vegas the giants didn't exercise a fifth year option on daniel jones which tells me this is put up or shut up year. or maybe next year in a better quarterback draft they might look to find their future there
0: dominic i wanted to ask you this in regards to what many feel who had the best draft this is the baltimore ravens baltimore ravens seemed to be a team that everybody was praising kansas city is another team that a lot of people were talking about but Seems to me that when you go down the line from NFL expert to NFL expert, the Baltimore Ravens seem to be the team that got the most accomplished in this year's NFL draft.
1: I will say they were lucky getting Kyle Hamilton, who I think was one of the best players in the draft, the safety from Notre Dame. He's fast. He'll be great in that Baltimore defense, but I am still questioned by the Hollywood Brown trade. I know he wasn't the greatest receiver for them, but Now Lamar Jackson has really no one to throw to, and he's looking to get a big contract. So I think that really hurt their quarterback. But they did have some great draft picks, but I didn't really like that Hollywood Brown trade that they made.
0: I agree with you on that. In fact, there was a ton of trades. In fact, there's more trades, I believe, during this year's draft than any other, if I'm not mistaken, at least in the first round, per se. And Chris, I'll hit back to you, my friend, when it concerns all these trades. Why was there such a flurry of action, especially around the wide receiver position, when concerns established wide receivers trading places in this year's NFL draft?
4: You hit the nail on the head. Teams either want to trade up to get guys they think are franchise wide receivers that they can have locked up at the rookie minimum for at least four years, potentially five. And then teams who, you know, are maybe. Deeper down the draft board because they had a decent year. And thinking of the Eagles getting AJ Brown, they figure, well, we're not going to get an elite wide receiver, I'm not in the, the top 10 right here. Let's go out and trade for one, sign them like the, the going rakes. They've got some room because. We feel like we've got Devontae Smith, who's an excellent wide receiver on a rookie deal. And face it, it's put-up-or-shut-up time for Jalen Hurts, so we've got to get him another weapon. I think the league is adjusted after quarterback, and I would argue tackles on the offensive side of the ball. You've got to have wide receivers, and you can build through the draft. Look at the Rams got Cooper Cup. They were once mocked for that pick, if you can believe it. I I think they realize this is the new NFL, and got to play that salary cap game to boot.
0: Dom, I wanted to ask you, with all these trades, was there one trade that you thought stood out amongst the rest as far as being very good for one team or another? I mean, we talked about the Hollywood Brown trade. Was that the best trade that one team capitalized on the most, or was there another trade that you thought was a little bit better?
1: Well, I think the Eagles they did a great job getting A.J. Brown, and I know the Titans got Trey Burks from Arkansas, kind of a similar player to A.J. Brown, but I think it was just a steal, especially because a lot of us expected Debo Samuel maybe to get traded during draft night, but instead it was A.J. Brown, and it wasn't any players or anything like that. It was just a first-round pick and a couple other picks. It wasn't a lot that the Eagles had to give up, and I was really surprised by that.
0: But there was a lot of things going on during the draft that I noticed in regards to the talent itself, and the first thing that stuck out to me is that there was really not that much to brag about, Chris, when it concerns the quarterbacks or lack thereof. I know that there wasn't very many picked in the first round, and overall, there wasn't very many picked altogether.
4: Yeah. And, you know, with the Steelers, the only first round quarterback taken was Pickens, ironically, yeah. from their backyard at Pitt. I think teams are probably. They've gotten burned one too many times just reaching to take a quarterback. And I know the last time there was only one that went in the first round. It was 2013, the Bills with EJ Manuel, and he didn't pan out. So I think a lot of the GMs, there was a record number, I want to say, who it was either their first or second draft. So you've got a lot of guys with new jobs or either jobs on the line, and they're not willing to stick their neck out unless it's a generational talent. And I think also, too, you got Bryce Young coming out next year, potentially at the top of the class, a number of other Really good college quarterbacks, it looks like, will be in the 23 draft. I figure they'll probably be willing to wait a year and maybe use that draft capital to trade up then to get someone they think is a better talent.
0: The teams that are struggling with the quarterback issue, the teams that don't really have a good quarterback, they really didn't fix those needs. They put, like, Band-Aids on them for this season, and they're just going to go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to go wait another year until we really find the quarterback that's going to set our franchise going forward. Dom, are you getting that impression too? Or is there something you're seeing differently from the quarterback position? But I think the draft and the tr- recent trades and free agency that happened, I really don't see any one team that was really improved in the quarterback slot that really needed some improving.
1: No, there really wasn't any improvements. I thought the Steelers could have made a big improvement by getting Malik Willis from Liberty. He is a little bit of a project, but he had the best arm in the draft. He has speed. He gives you a a little bit of a Lamar Jackson vibe, and Mike Tallman even said that he liked him, but they ended up taking Kenny Pickett, who's 24, mind you. He should be a few years younger than some of these these guys, but he's 24, didn't have the greatest arm in the draft, and he had tiny hands, as some scouts said. So I didn't like that pick, and I don't think anyone improved. And I agree with my dad. There's going to be some great quarterbacks next year: Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. So I think teams are going to wait for that, and. Most of these quarterbacks in this draft are more of a project.
0: Chris, I want to ask you this. Since there really wasn't much to offer in the quarterback category for this year's draft, there certainly was a lot to choose from when it concerns on the defensive side of the ball and wide receiver. And I like it personally when the defense and the wide receiver get noticed and it's not just a quarterback heavier. The fact that now we live in a world where running backs are no longer, they're almost like persona non gratas when you can literally just get them off the street and they'll rush for a thousand yards for you seemingly at this point. But with the defense and wide receiver now becoming priority and also on the offensive line as well, it was interesting how this draft laid itself out. I'm not sure you're going to find too much in the way of superstars in this draft from what I'm reading and what I'm trying to understand, but you will get a lot of quality players that will make a great contribution down the road.
4: Absolutely. And I think one guy that kind of fell a little bit in the first round, unfortunately to the Eagles is, Jordan Davis from Georgia, I mean, guy is a huge defensive tackle, and I think that's the way defenses are going. You look at Aaron Donald with the Rams and what he's done the past few years, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. But just how he took over the fourth quarter of that game and disrupted Joe Burrow and changed the course of that Super Bowl. And then, too, with receivers, I think there are a lot of really good receivers out there. I know Dom's favorite went to Alabama, so when I'm done babbling here, I'll let him talk about that. It wasn't a flashy draft, but I do think it had some intrigue to it. And you see how teams build. Even like, When would we have seen cornerbacks go 3-4 that high in a draft back-to-back?
0: Exactly. I think that's actually pretty smart. This was, like you said, a very intriguing draft. I actually loved the amount of transactions that were available, that were made, that were just flying all over the place, kept things flowing. And, of course, being in Las Vegas, obviously I enjoyed that part as well. But we've talked so much about the winner's Before we go on to the losers, and I see a couple directions already from what I'm hearing as far as the losers are concerned, is there any other teams that stood out in a positive way for you, Dom, in this year's NFL draft?
1: Well, I think the Kansas City Chiefs had a quiet win. They traded up for a cornerback, Trent McDuffie from Washington. The Chiefs secondary needs a lot of help, and that was a great pick, trading up for him. And I think... They were one of the winners, though they didn't get a great wide receiver. They got Sky Moore from Western Michigan. It is a plus, but I would have loved them trade up and get Jamison Williams. He was their Tyreek Hill replacement from Alabama. He had that speed, and he did tear his ACL in the national championship game. That was a question mark, but he was the perfect pick for the Chiefs, and the Lions decided to get him.
0: We talked about the winners of the NFL draft. I here and i see and phone i'm able to go ahead and ascertain myself that there's one big loser in this year's draft as this draft was going on i was hearing chris ardieri in my head talking about the arrogance of one team as he's talked about over the years and it seemed like this year it happened all again
4: oh there's so many to choose from would it be the packers the cowboys or the patriots
0: it would be the Patriots. You've often okay. spoke of their arrogance over the course of the years and that they do their own thing. And yes, they have won a myriad of championships and they are to be lauded for that. But, you know, I was just picturing in my head that you were saying, oh, those Patriots, those arrogant Patriots once again.
4: Yeah, definitely. And then trading away, was it it? Was it Shaq Mason they traded to the Buccaneers on top of that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't get that either. But yeah, taking Cole Strange, I mean, Gerald, you're far more well-versed at marvel than i am there's a pick worthy of being called dr strange i know it's a little cross promotion with the movie coming out this week but yeah strange i gotta prove isn't... it out on the field we'll see what he can do he's no benedict cumberbatch but a total head scratcher i don't know if belichick's lost it or he really thinks he's like still the smartest guy in the room but i feel like last year mac jones fell to them and they got lucky because had he not and the 49ers really taken him like they were planning to allegedly i don't know what this team would be they'd be in shambles right now Personally, I'm enjoying every minute of it. But, you know, the AFC East has had a changing of the guard and everyone's looking up at the bills and the Dolphins and Jets will be improved. So this could be the end of the run for Belichick there, I say. I I don't know what he was doing in this draft.
0: Don, before we head on out, it's been a great conversation on the winners and losers for the NFL draft. Again, I enjoyed it so much. I hope that they will do as many times as they can as far as the NFL coming back to las vegas for the nfl draft i really think it's in their best interest to go ahead and do so because las vegas really pulled out the red carpet for them but before we get on out you and your father have got a lot of great things going on on your show the domination sports nation
1: yeah we do we'll have to do our yearly draft recap and see the winners and losers of this draft and do a full breakdown of all the players that were selected and then we'll talk some nba playoff basketball because that's been going on right now we'll talk about this crazy Warriors-Grizzlies game that went on today. And we'll talk about some baseball as well as the Yankees are doing well. It's hard to tell when they'll be good or when they'll be bad.
0: Absolutely. I can't even believe it now my Angels are actually at the top of the American League as well. I had to just like rub my eyes twice. Actually, they've got Otani still healthy, Trout is still healthy, and they actually have starting pitchers that can actually pitch for now. So we'll see if that actually <laughs> can continue. Stranger things have happened. Sorry for the strange pun coming up on this week. But Chris, (laughs) I'll tell you what. I am so glad for you and your son to be here for this segment right now. I truly appreciate it. And also stopping by for Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Make sure and check out Chris and Dom Lardieri for Domination Sports Nation. And also as well, check them out each and every year as my co-hosts for Inside Sports Fantasy Football. But guys, one last question I have for you both. When do you want to think you want to start up the show again? Inside Sports Fantasy Football. When's the best time to go ahead and start giving some great advice for fantasy football?
4: I say not soon enough. How about you, Dom? Yeah, I say
1: anytime's great.
0: We're going to go ahead and start breaking down the latest in fantasy football here in the coming weeks. So check us out at Inside Sports Fantasy Football, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, guys, I just truly appreciate you stopping by right here at the Pop Culture. or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank so much Don Fobbs and Chris and Dom Lardieri for stopping by on the program today. Make sure you check us out on Friday because... Melinda Barkhouse Ross and I will go ahead and talk Doctor Strange ad nauseum because it's going to be the release of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness coming up on the PC Multiverse. So looking forward to that, and I might even have a review of the movie as well. But for right now, Josh, before we head on out, you told me and you sent me a message about Halo Episode Six. I did check it out, and I know the word going around is maybe people should finally get back into Halo.
2: Yeah, it's kind of deep into the series to have like the groundbreaking episode, but I feel like it was pretty solid. You know, it had a lot of very humanizing elements to it in a show that up until this point, it seemed like they were just kind of like giving fan service and barely scratching beneath the surface of what this giant world is capable of delivering in terms of a scripted narrative. But now, you know, we have parts in there and you know i'm going to spoil a little bit where master chief tries to kill halsey and then you have this awakening of the spartans have now realized that they were kidnapped as children
0: and she's been sequestered to a condominium
2: she's been sequestered to a condominium but she somehow managed to tap into cortana nobody really knows whose team cortana is on at the moment we learn that cortana can't actually take over master chief's body so that was something that he was trying to test by threatening to kill Halsey.
0: Can I ask you a question? Is it just time for him to just throw away the helmet in the trash?
2: I know he never wears it anymore. It's so weird, but also, we don't have a lot of episodes that have legitimate battles on them. You know, it's That's like money, man. I just like, I don't let's, I know, but I mean, why bother making a show like this if you're not going to have the stuff that makes Halo Halo? I will
0: agree with you that this episode. Kind of liked it, and it's the first time I've actually been able to say that. But if you're asking someone to get back into it, six episodes in, that's a tough ask, my friend. That's a really tough ask.
2: Yeah, you know, and they did the thing. They did the thing that I was wondering if they were going to do. They showed the Master Chief and that other girl on Halo, but then Master Chief ever so lightly caresses the covenant girl's face yeah. and you're the like
0: human lady that's not any part of any of the lore in yeah. previous games
2: yeah. and you're it's like there's gonna be a romance line between the two of them yeah, i did not want that anyway. i didn't want it either i thought the great part about this show despite all of its shortcomings was the fact that it didn't slow itself down with romantic interest but now they did the thing
0: well maybe it's going to be him and the other spartan the one with the colored hair yeah yeah I actually like her character. But the thing is, they did showcase their first time that you get to actually see Halo. So Mm -hmm. we'll go ahead and see what happens there. But it is Halo Episode 6. We actually kind of liked it for the first time that we can say all series. But it's a tough ask. Are you going to return to the world of Halo? If any time, you might as well do it now because this was the best episode in the series. And it's not even close. And that's not saying a whole lot. So please let us know your thoughts on Halo, PalmCultureCosmos, and Yahoo.com. Moon Knight, Episode 5. We got a showcase for Oscar Isaac as he delves deeper into the psyche of his own self, but also as well learns that, spoilers, he could be dead as well. As he travels the underworld, he has to make several decisions and go back into his life and discover his memories of of how he actually came to be with Stephen Grant and Mark Spector, and who is with a real one and who is not. So your thoughts on Episode 5 of Moon Knight. It was a showcase for the emotional parting of the ways, per se, between Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. Plus, you got a whole lot of background on how he came to be. But your thoughts on Moon Knight Episode 5, a really strong episode with a strong performance from Oscar Isaac.
2: It was good. Everyone said that this was like the best things that the MCU has ever created. And I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. You know, it was like, I don't know.
0: It's it's a good series. I don't call it a great.
2: Yeah, well, not the series itself, but just this episode, you know, like I'm reading Polygon and IGN and all that stuff. And yeah, it's like, it's good. It's tragic. It's incredibly tragic. It's very sad but it's not like amazing by any stretch of the imagination. You know, they did a good job of like telling the backstory of the two characters, but there's a lot of things in it that were very confusing and didn't really make sense.
0: Well, I think that's part of the reason why the series is good, but not great is that it doesn't completely tell you everything throughout the series. There's pieces and parts of it that always leave you in some kind of doubt, questioning yourself, what's going on. It's very hard to follow at times. So I think that's probably what's holding it back from greatness in my opinion.
2: Right. But I also feel like they do that so often that sometimes they forget that they have these random pieces of thread laying out that they forget to connect to things. Yeah. On the boat in this episode, she goes, Oh no, the rogue souls are coming down without being judged. And they're like, all right. The well, now Yeah. The hippo god, And we got, they're like, okay, well now we got a balance of scales, blah, blah, blah. And then, after that they come out and what the, the souls just stopped flying from the sky. Like they just kind of like, okay, well that happened. And now everything's, you know, back to what it was. You're still going to get dragged off the boat or what, whatever, but it's just, I don't know. There's just a lot in there that doesn't seem to connect to things, you know, and they just kind of like leave it there. I think it is the
0: best episode of the series. Again, it makes a good series even better, but I don't think it's the best series. I don't think it beats Hawkeye. In fact, I know that the series itself, as far as viewing, depending on who you go to, either it's doing really well or it's not doing as well as Hawkeye. I can tell you the latest Nielsen numbers project that it is not doing quite as well as Hawkeye is. So uh, I know that people are not quite as interested, it's seemingly, according to Nielsen, in Moon Knight. But we'll wait and see. Again, this is supposed to be just a showcase and an introduction for you out there on the Moon Knight character because he's going to be developed in future movies down the road as far as become a part of that. So we'll see what happens with Moon Knight. But it is a very yeah. emotional turn for Oscar Isaac, his characters, Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. Yeah. One, unfortunately, meets what we think is a demise. But we'll wait and see, because the last episode is coming up this week as well. So a big week for Marvel ahead. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts out there on Episode 5 of Moon Knight? please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But last but not least on the episode recap is the final episode of Tokyo Vice for the season. And I'm hoping not for the series. HBO has yet to make a decision on Tokyo Vice. It ended up the last 20 minutes are really strong. Getting there was a little bit convoluted, but As I've told you, Josh, when it focuses on the crime story and the underworld and the battles between the police and the underworld and the backstabbing, the betrayals, the things of that nature, you get to see a lot of chess matches take place between the Yakuza and the police and then also the newspaper investigation into this battle between the two. The way it ends up is very strong. The problem is it wastes a good half hour on some sub-stories, one of which though leads you into supposedly what's going to be investigated into next season, and that involves a cohort of the lady who's trying to start her own club. You get to see, unfortunately, what happens to her friend, and that will lead you into next season, if there is a next season. But they also have a sub-story with One of the main Yakuza's that you're finding, who, again, is doing a fantastic job in other parts. He is bringing up this funky Yakuza that is just not cutting it and gives him a chance to go ahead and leave the Yakuza. It's just a, a part of the episode. It just really wasn't necessary. Focus in on what is good, which, again, is the only problem of the series. They don't have a tendency to focus the entire hour on what is good and what works. They put in some side stories that really just don't click. And again, this is a good series that could have been great if it had done just that.
2: The potential's there, right? The is that what we're doing? Really okay. Yeah. So do you think now that the rules for the world have been established, the lore has been laid out, do you think that moving forward, the show could just be great? You know, and even if you're not someone who watched the first season. Do you think the show could still be great for people jumping on at the point of the the beginning of the second season?
0: I think so. I think so that it has the setup to be something really good because at the very end, it gives you a twist and gives them a twist. You did see it coming, but it's a good twist that helps move the story along for next season. And Ansel Egor, does he stay or leave Tokyo? Does Mm -hmm. he go and, and become a part of this investigation even further? You actually see it, yes, because it does the thing that actually we saw from Winning Time where in the first scene of the series it shows you a point in the time where it's going to end, and it hasn't reached that point yet, so there's still more to cover on the series, so you know that there's more series to come if they're allowed to, so I'm thinking that if you give it a chance, it will go ahead and flesh out that side hopefully more. You'll still see more sub-stories, I think, that will unfortunately muddy it up a little bit, but If they stay as focused as they can on the investigation and the backstabbing and the the behind-the-scenes of the Yakuza, if they stick to that, that's really the best part of Tokyo Vice. But I do recommend Tokyo Vice overall as a good show to watch. Not great, but good show to watch. Antel Egort, I understand the controversy that surrounds him, but he did a solid job in this. Ken Watanabe is just awesome, as always. It's Ken Watanabe. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Rinko Kikuchi, then the moments that she's in it, she's really strong as well. So we'll see what happens with Tokyo Vice, but let us know your thoughts on Tokyo Vice, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, your thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness before we head on out.
2: I actually have tickets to go see it next Saturday, so I am very excited about it. I don't know, just like we talked about this a little bit earlier, excited to see Sam Raimi jumping back into a Marvel-related property because he does things that are out of the ordinary. I mean, anyone who's ever watched the Evil Dead movies knows that like Sam Raimi isn't afraid to take risks on things. And often those risks are so memorable. You know, Whether or not they hit or miss, you still remember, like, oh, remember when he did this in that movie. So I think that Doctor Strange is, especially with this Multiverse of Madness, I think it's the perfect property for him to kind of go experimenting with a few things. That being said, we've seen a lot of the trailers, we've seen the Ultron robots, we've seen the uh, what's-his-name from the first Doctor Strange movie, we've seen the-, the uh 4-0. Yeah, and we've seen Professor Xavier, they alluded to the Illuminati, so I know that's like Tony Stark and Reed Richards, so I'm just curious, who's going to be playing these characters? You know, we're going to have the guy from the last Fantastic Four, we're going to go with John Krasinski- I don't know. And everyone's talking about like in the trailer or in the poster, right? They have a little thing from the X-Men 90s animated series or whatever. I don't know. There's just so many possibilities. And I'm excited about it. So this is going to be truly what brings like the entire Marvel world together of, of things that weren't connected before. So now when we're like, hey, we're going to go watch all the Marvel films and watch them in order. We're going to have to go all the way back to Blade and we're going to start like Blade 1, 2, Hulk, <laughs> X-Men. It's
0: exciting. Wouldn't that be so funny if they brought someone back from the Roger Corman Fantastic Four? Oh, didn't didn't
2: that movie get it? It was never released, wasn't it?
0: No, it was released, but it was so low budget.
2: Then I know there's a Punisher with Dolph Lundgren.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) They're doing a Flashpoint before Flashpoint with Marvel. (laughs) Right.
2: This is smart, though. I mean, it just like makes it feel like all the children are coming home, so to speak.
0: That they are. That they are indeed. But. We are excited for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm hoping to catch it Thursday and share my thoughts on Thursday night. But please let us know your thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. So, for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glasford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself agree